High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Garrett, Youth Pastor at High Praise Panama City. I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. No matter if you just missed a service or if you happen to stumble across our show, we believe and we pray that God is going to bless you through today's episode. So open up your hearts, receive what God has in store for you. What's up everybody? Who's out of school? Who's done? Who has one more day? <laughs> Who has two more days? Hey, we're almost there, guys. I, I appreciate everyone being here tonight. I know Mosley's graduation is going on, so like half the room isn't here. Um, but we'll love on them. Jackson Alexander. That's my kid back there. Um, tonight is going to look a little bit different. Um, for, for a couple of reasons. For one, because just like I've been at um, everyone else's graduations, I'm going to leave here and try to make the end of Mosley's graduation just because we have six uh, of our people graduating tonight from Mosley. So I want to be able to be there for them. Um, so I had an idea earlier and uh, was basically just going to walk us through the story of Joseph. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Uh, so this is what I want everyone to do. I need everyone to scoot up as close as possible, um, but at least in the front two rows. You can even so sit on the floor if you want. Come on, everybody, come closer, come closer, come closer. I want you to come closer. Yeah, I want, I want everyone to come in close, like a living room. Come in close. You're still being watched, so don't do anything crazy. Good. Everyone good? Everyone comfortable? Okay, cool. So, um, like I said, I was going to walk us through the story of Joseph, and I'm just not going to do that anymore. <laughs> don't really know how to explain it. Um, so, these are my notes. Right here, I've got two pieces of scripture I just put down during worship. Uh, I felt like the Lord dropped to me, so we're going to talk about these two things. And here are my notes. You can write down my entire um, sermon notes right here at the very beginning. Um, and I, I titled it quickly, uh, Warning for Gen Z. A Warning for Gen Z. That's, a, that's, uh, that's the title. My first point says, You are too easily satisfied. And my second point says you are too easily offended. And that's, there, there it is right there. So there, there's nothing uh, beyond that. Um, so for the past couple weeks, I've been talking about young saints. We've been talking about how you at your age um, are called to something greater, something beyond what many of us become satisfied with. Uh, we really kind of slink into like, I'm just a youth kid, I'm just a teenager, I'm still kind of like, and I think it's because most of us were still in school, and we just kind of adopt this mentality of like, that you're kind of in this, you're in waiting, right? That because you're in waiting, there's not much for you to do, especially within our faith. And one thing that I think, that I think I mentioned, talked about this a little bit last week, one thing I really believe the Spirit of the Lord is trying to break within your generation and with people within this room is this idea that your faith is just meant for you to help you get by in life, right? That your faith, your relationship with God, it is just this inward thing 
that is for you, that you keep to you, and it's going to be like this little helper to help you get through high school, then college, get married, get a career, have kids, and live the rest of your life. And church is just going to be this thing that you do. And your faith is just going to be like this little boost of energy and encouragement in your life. And while, uh, while that's not the most evil thing on the, on the planet, that's not, that's never, that was never the idea behind how Christians are called to live. Right? And so for many of us, we have settled into like this, um, this really comfort, I guess you can call it comfortable Christianity, where we have, we have figured out how to just live the life of our dreams and just let our faith be this, um, this little boost to us in our everyday life. And what I don't want to happen, I don't want that to be how you live the rest of your life. I think I talked about in the very first week, um, we talked about, um, what did we talk about the first week? Someone help me out. Anyone remember two weeks ago? What did we talk about two weeks ago? No one remembers? Yeah. Huh? Talked about David, talked about Goliath. We talked about the intimidation that is Goliath. Goliath was never going to prosper. It just took someone who could identify what Goliath actually was. It was just a voice. It was just an intimidation factor. Right? Y'all remember this? Last week, what did we do? Talked about one real key word last week. Temptation. Temptation. We talked about how there's no temptation has seized you except for what is common to man. How you don't have to bow to temptation. These things, guys, what, what, I, what I know God is trying to get across to you is he's trying to elevate you to a place where, where so many past generations have failed to do or they have waited until they're much older to do so. And there, you could, cannot, could not, will not ever convince me that God is, is, is not most interested in using this age of a generation to do something great on the earth. You will never, ever convince me otherwise. You can tell me Jeremiah, Isaac, not that Jeremiah, but Jeremiah and Isaac, even Joseph, I was going to read about Joseph today because Joseph's story uh, starts when he's 17, and we've read these scriptures, we can go to the disciples, and we talk about how Peter and these guys were most likely, we know, were, were somewhere on 16, 17, 18, some argue even younger than that when Jesus called them for the first time to be disciples. My point is this, your, your age is not meant to be on the sidelines. We talked about Timothy, how Paul was encouraging Timothy to be like, hey, you're going to, remember we talked about this I think last week, show, an, set an example in your conduct, in your character, in your, in your speech. Your generation, your age, where you are at right now I wholeheartedly believe that if the Spirit of God ever fully got a hold of this generation at this point, something miraculous, something great would happen on the earth. I think it's, I think it's almost ironic that most of us, we look to, our, to older generations to set the example to, I mean, you guys are the ones that are going to have to change the culture. You guys are going to be the ones that's going to have to usher in revival. You're the ones that's going to have to change the way the, the world is. And I, and I wholeheartedly believe that God looks at, at your generation and is just waiting and waiting for the opportunity to use y'all. Because all through Scripture, every time something great happens, it usually starts with a teenager. And this is not just some like corny little youth pastor sermon because I didn't prepare it. <laughs> but I wholeheartedly believe this. this. is why I'm so stinking passionate about youth ministry. 
I wholeheartedly believe that teenagers, that you guys if have the most, let me put it this way, you have the most potential to do, to do great things. You have the most potential to make the greatest change. I think it was last week that I said, um, your yes to Jesus has the ability to have the biggest impact on the world because why? You don't remember why? Because you have the most options. Remember, and in a world where you have all the options and you could be anything, do anything, act a hundred different ways and the world would say it's okay and it's acceptable, the fact that you would choose Jesus when it would be acceptable for you to choose so many other things makes that more powerful. You get what I'm saying? I know on, a, on any given Wednesday night, any given weekend, any Sunday in, uh, this summer, that you could be doing a hundred different things. I know you could become a hundred different things. And most of the people, maybe outside of a few, would look at you and, and they wouldn't bat an eye. Your generation has, is falling to, uh, falling to this trap to, I think, to, to follow your heart, to be what your emotions tell you you are, to become whatever it is that makes you feel good. I just, to put it bluntly, you are a fallen creature. Your emotions and your instincts can be wrong and are often wrong. As long as your generation continues to um, essentially throw out this idea that you are not to be conformed to the image of Christ and you can just become the, the image that you want to be, we're going to continue to miss the mark that, that, that God is, is calling you to do. Because see, for most of you, God has, has, a, has a hope and a future and something for your life and says, this is what I hope for you to be. When I made Brooks, this is who I created him to be. This is, this is, this is what I want him to do. In the fullness of my word, in the fullness of my spirit, this is who he can become. But instead, we have a generation who's like, you know what? God, and hear me, this is what most young Christians think, because I know I've done this for a long time. Most of us, most young Christians, we get this idea and we warp scripture. And we're like, well, God, you know, says he'd give me all the desires of my heart. And God said he made me in his image. So if I want to become this, if I want to do this, then it must be from God. What was my very first point? You're so easily satisfied. And it can be one of the most dangerous and one of the most um, harmful things that I think is happening to your generation is being way too easily satisfied. And so what does that mean? It means this. It means that it should take more to you as a young person, regardless if you're a teenager or a young adult in this room or However, whatever your age is, I don't care. It should take more to, for in your life for you to commit to something. But what, what is happening where we are supposed to hunger and thirst for righteousness before we ever develop an appetite for righteousness, we become, we, we become almost just satisfied. We become content with just a little bit of joy, with just a little bit of happiness. 
This is exactly why we fall for, well, that's why we are so easily entrapped by addiction. It's why we are, that's why your generation struggles so much with things like anxiety and depression, with things like lust, things like pornography, things like smoke, and things that, things that give us an emotional high. Because before, because you know who really hungers and thirsts for righteousness? People who genuinely hunger and thirst for the righteousness of the Lord aren't satisfied with little highs. We're not, we're not, we're not satisfied with just little, little pick-me-ups. And the same thing, and hear me, th- this is, that, that is true for that type of person, but it's also true for maybe you're a young Christian in the room, and spiritually you are, you are too easily satisfied with just a little emotional or maybe even just a little spiritual high that might happen on a Wednesday night or a Sunday morning. I hear and I wholeheartedly know that the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us tonight that He wants your appetite to be different. He wants you to, to, to hunger and crave more. But so many of us in our Christian walk, we can come to a church service, you can come to a small group, you can go on a trip, you can listen to a podcast, read, a, you read your 30-second devotion on your Bible app, and close the book, we're done. That's enough for us. And for whatever reason, that, that, that satisfies our, our spiritual appetite. And I just want to tell you that that is, you're actually starving. And some people don't actually realize that you're starving. Because it's, it's all you've ever given yourself. I want you to genuinely think about when are you satisfied spiritually when are you genuinely satisfied with righteousness? When are you, I mean, think about this for a moment. Do you live your daily life and look at people, look at situations in your classrooms, at work, at home, and just crave for righteousness to manifest in your living room at home? Whenever there's conflict in your family, are you just, I want to see, I want to see God's righteousness here. I want to see I want to see I want to see his glory manifested with people that I don't like. Do you get what I'm saying? This is not just some like, oh yeah, I just I want good things to happen. That's righteousness. It is being able to look at every single person, every situation, people you don't like, your enemies, people you work with, your step parents, your step siblings. And crave for God's righteousness to take place in every situation. That is, and hear me, I'm not saying that, that if that's not where you're at, you are ridiculously lost and get out of the room. But I, I know that is where if God could get you there, it would change you more than, than most altar calls would. If you genuinely crave and thirst and hunger for the will of God to take place. See, this is a genuine problem. Most of us, if we were honest, we do not want the will of God to happen. And some of us are like, I don't know, that's not true, but I want you to think about this for a moment. If you started to assess what you wanted to see in your life and you were to write a little letter to yourself about all your dreams coming true, I highly doubt many of them would be God's dreams for you. Genuinely, I do. I I was able to uh, copy and paste a scripture back there in the corner for a minute, and I think it's time to read it. The first John 2, 15 and 16 says this. 
It says, do not love the world or the things in the world, for if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. I'm going to read that last part to you one more time. For all, and repeat after me, for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. Most of us, we don't like that. Most people, man, when we hear that, it's like, well, what does that mean? Because there are a lot of things that I feel like God is using in my life that might technically be considered worldly. There are so many things that I watched teenagers for over the past decade get wrapped up in because, like, well, this is where God's leading me and this is what God wants to do with my life. Can I just tell you something? Where pride manifests, God is not in. I want you to think about that for a moment. Where your pride manifests, God is not present. Where your pride is at the highest, God is not present. When, whatever it is, I don't care if it's a job, I don't care if it's a career, I don't care if it's a hobby, I don't care if it's a sport, I don't care if it's an instrument, I don't care if it's a relationship. Where your pride is the highest, the Lord cannot be present. Because where your pride is, is where your control is. And whenever you are in control, and this is your pride, and this is what you are doing, and you, you are the best at it, you don't need anyone's help in it, and the list goes on. There is no room for the Lord to operate, and God will not lead you to a place where he cannot, himself cannot operate. It does not happen. It doesn't. The last time it happened, he left people in a garden. I just, I want you to genuinely um, think about and, and, and take inventory in your heart and in your life tonight. The desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. If you will, if you will change your appetite a little bit to only be satisfied for, by things that you know are from the Father, you will start to realize just how easily tricked we are by things that are of the world. And this happens, I think, in every generation. We have generations that look down at other generations. They're like, why are they so enthralled with this? Like right now, it's phones, right? That is probably the biggest, um, that's probably the biggest idol in American Christianity right now is, is the thing that are in your pocket or in your hand. And we have older generations who are looking down at our generations. And we're like, man, they are obsessed with that. That is, that is not from God. And even our generation is starting to look at younger generations. And we're like, I would never have had a tablet like that. That was crazy. <laughs> and we are starting to sound like old people because you're like, man, that's, that's ridiculous that they're doing that. Or when I was their age, I played outside, you know. Where the pride of your life is at the highest, I, I, would, um, I would dare to say that, that God did not lead you there. I, I would dare to say God is, it will not lead you there. Where your, your pride is, is in control, 
or where your desires of your flesh and the desires of your eyes are all you're getting and all that's, sometimes I look at people and they're just bragging about just how God is blessing them with all these things and it's things of the world and you're like, I don't, I don't know if that's God. And it might be probably, probably a different kind of message for an older crowd, but uh, still to this day I see people that we become like, we, we confuse what the world gives us with what God gives us. And we want to put God's name on so many things the world has to offer. Because then we can all just agree we're all just going to get away with it. We're all just going to live this way. And for so long the church has just been obsessed with things that I believe God labels the world, but we put God's name on it. We become too easily satisfied. I want you, I want your spiritual hunger and your spiritual thirst to grow deeper I don't, I don't want you to be satisfied with, with, with fast drive-through spirituality. <sighs> Read my devotion, boom, got a checklist, done. Went to church, felt good, leader prayed, done. I did, you know, listen to the podcast, listen, I mean, you get what I'm saying? I, 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 you have got to develop an appetite for things that are not easily given. Some of the, let me think about this for a moment. The most, some of the best, most satisfying food on the planet cannot be achieved instantly. Right? In, in the same way, I want you to grow to a place where it's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a little bit of time to get what you're looking for. Because if you don't do this, I guarantee you the day will come we just went through our wilderness series a few weeks ago. When you are not going to be receiving things as instantly, and when we train ourselves to only be given things right when we want them, you will not know how to work for them. You will not know how to sustain. And I could give you, if I would have prepared this message, I would have given you probably three or four different messages on the importance of endurance and steadfast, steadfastness and standing the trial. And when, I mean, go read the book of James. Go read First Paul, or First Paul, First John. First Paul. You get what I'm saying? All right, and the next one. The next one's this. You are too easily offended. Um, something I felt just genuinely on my heart. The self-righteousness. Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt by someone in this room. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Raise your hand if you ever hurt someone in this room. It's all right. Yeah, there you go. Raise your hand if a Christian's ever hurt you. Oh, man, that was way more emphatic for some reason. Okay, put your hands down. As Christians, I'm going to give you a little bit of truth that hurts. Okay? As Christians, for you to stand upon grace and mercy that washes away all your sins but then to demand that you also get to stand on your hurt and your pain is one of the greatest acts of hypocrisy that a Christian can commit. You can't have one leg on the grace and forgiveness of the Father and one leg on the offense of the people have caused you in your life. You can't, you will not stand that way. So just being honest, I just want you to, I just, I just want you to stand on one of them. I want you to stand on, on the grace of this one 
But more than anything, if you're going to stand over here, just stand over here and let's get this figured out so then you can come stand over here. You get what I'm saying? Church hurt specifically is one of the greatest acts of self-righteousness that happens in today's world. And hear me, I've had it. I've got some. I'm still working through some. So please don't think that I know it's just Pastor Gary, you've never been hurt by church or Christians or pastors. Boy, we have a whole we'll have a we just you know, we'll have a different night. But let me tell you something. You don't have the right to stand self-righteously in a place that says, my pain matters more than everybody else's. The wrong they did to me, the sin they committed against me is different. The, the issues they caused in my life, different. You can't do that. You don't have the right to do that. I don't have, I think it's a Matthew, I think it's, oh, maybe I put it down. Um, I did. Look at that. About to try to think of a verse God already gave me. Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5 says this. It says, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And I'm going to stop right there. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Most people don't realize this. The grace you give to other people is actually determining the grace you're receiving. Not just from other people, but also from the Lord. The very first verse says, Judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. I think this will be one of the most eye-opening moments in human history when people realize that they have that Christians... Here, this verse is talking to Christians. That Christians will receive the type of judgment that they, have, that they give to other people. So how foolish of us would it be to be a church that stands on our, our insecurities and our pain and our stories and our moments and the gossip and the lies and all these things and say, well, I can hold on to mine because they did this, 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 and this. I promise you, I don't ever, and if anyone has the right, it is Jesus himself to look at me one day and say, well, Garrett, you did this, 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 and this, and you caused me pain here, 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 and here. And because you held on to this, I, I also held on to that much. That, that, I don't want that moment in my life. I don't want that moment in your life. No one should want that moment. And hear me, guys, I'm not saying you will walk in perfect forgiveness all of your life. But what I do just want to call to your attention is you cannot live in this world where you're like, well, God's grace is perfect for me, but I don't have to give it to anybody else. Part of the reason the church has been, that I believe the church has been in such a decline over the years has simply been because of how the church has handled grace and mercy to everybody else. Because the church has said, we're washed and we're clean, and now that, that might be true, and even though the world's not. It is not the church's job for us to, to accept our righteousness, but make sure the world knows how unrighteous they are. That makes zero sense. Makes, it makes, it's, it's ridiculous if we really wanted to take time to break it down. 
But my point was this, that we are too easily offended. And we're too easily offended because we are so eager to be offended. Why in the world would we be eager to be offended? Why in the world would we be eager to be offended? I hear whispers, but I don't know what anyone's saying. Luann? Right, self-righteousness. Yes, exactly what Luann just said. For some reason, we have taken on this identity where almost like we are eager to be offended. We almost enjoy being offended because of the attention that it can bring to us. Because once we're offended, people will come check on us. You ever gone to school with people that you know, like, you ever gone to school with the, the knee brace girl? Everyone know what I'm talking about? Every class has a knee brace girl. Where all of a sudden, for no reason whatsoever, some kid has crutches, or they've got a knee brace on, or they've got a wrist thing on, or they've got something on their finger. Yeah, or, yeah, one of those things. And hear me, I'm not... Listen, I'm, I'm not making fun of everyone that wears them, but I'm, there are people... So if you're in this room and you have a brace on or something, I'm not making fun of you, I promise. What I am, I just want to draw attention, though. Y'all know what I'm talking about. There's like that one kid who every three weeks they've got a different brace on. Why? Why would they do that? Because someone will come ask, what happened? What's wrong? And as much as we all laugh at the knee brace kid, every person, we do that every time someone says something that hurts our feelings. We put our sad face on. We leave people on red. We post little sad, mopey stories. We post the sad songs we're listening to. We take a picture of the ceiling. And we do things. Why? Why do we do that? Because your generation is crying for help. And it doesn't know how to actually ask for it. And so what we have to do is we wear these emotional and spiritual little braces that basically say, I'm hurting, I need help, but I don't want to come to you and ask for it. And that's why we become so easy, eager to become offended. We are eager for something to bother us. We are eager to get into an argument. We are eager for someone to, to upset us. And it's even more so true in the church. Because we know there are deeper things going on in our life that we do not want to address. Because for whatever reason, we all wear this mask of everything's great, everything's fine. I'm doing wonderful. I'm just the best I've ever done, Pastor Garrett, and just me and Jesus have coffee every morning, and the cherubim is in my living room, and just all these other things, but let me just mask my hurt that I really would like to talk about through gossip that someone else offended me through so that I can enter into a conversation I'm actually really desperate to have. And it happens all the time. Gossip is such an issue within the church simply because it opens a door for somebody to start having conversations they know they actually want to have. They're just not brave enough to have them. So instead of saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life, I'm actually dealing with this massive insecurity that I'm single. But we don't do that. We'd rather go to someone and be like, I'm so upset with Thaddeus right now. Did you hear what he said to me? He was making fun of me for being by myself in church. And I said, you get what, you get what I'm, what, what's happening here? 
We mask issues, that's not real, but we mask issues through gossip because we're so eager to become offended. We're so eager to become offended because we have so many other issues we don't know how to deal with. You get what I'm saying? We cannot live this way any longer, church. If you're in this room and and I'm not going to make you stand up or raise your hand or come up and speak, but I want to confront this issue where we are almost eager to become offended. Where we, and when we do, or hear me, when we do become offended, we run away. I mean, I could give you names, stories, and moments, and, and meetings of people that the moment something happens that bothers them, poof, we're gone. So they can walk into the next place and talk about how horrible that place was to them. So that we'll just, oh, you poor thing, come on, we'll take care of you. Your offense does not open the door for, for healing. And that's honestly what I think so many of us are actually desperate for. And so we think that the more offended we become, the more hurt we come, eventually it's, it's like you're crying for attention either from God or a person to be like, actually, I really need help. It's like, a, it's like when one of my kids is, is like really tired or they're, they're actually really upset. It takes the smallest thing. We had this issue with Millie the other night. I think Pat might have actually saw it happen outside of Applebee's. I went to, Millie was exhausted. It was after, I think, Rutherford's graduation, and she was tired. She was upset. She wanted to go to bed. And all I did, I said, here. And I scooped her. She, she wanted Becca. And I said, here. And I picked her up. And the moment I picked her up, you would have thought that I, like, punched her in her face. <laughs> and she cried, and she screamed. And it lasted, what, 15 minutes? Not because I did anything that actually bothered her, because she had all these emotions and things inside of her that she did not know how to process. So it just took something. It took, she's like, oh, this is my moment. This is my chance. Now I can scream and cry and actually show what I'm feeling inside. And we do the exact same thing. That person didn't say hi to me, and now I'm never coming back to the church. Do you get what I'm saying? And we take these small little offenses and we take these small little things that should not actually bother you and we allow them to control us. Hey, let me get y'all's attention. Right? But it's controlling you not because it actually bothers you, it's controlling you because you are crying for help on the inside. Let me just, I'm going to wrap up right now. I know it's, I know it's, that time. I want to I want to make something real clear. God is always interested in your growth. I think I even said this this morning. I was talking to the um, Rutherford football team. And if God is always interested in your growth, growth is not meant to be comfortable. Anyone ever had growing pains before? Growing is not meant to be this easy little walk through, oh, this is great. I just grew in my walk with Jesus. It was so easy. Scripture always basically takes it back to like iron sharpens iron. Well, iron only sharpens iron by banging iron together. 
And gold can only be refined in the fire if it's melted down because you can't chip away at gold. And so there's always this, this picture that is trying to be painted in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that when God wants to do a work in your life, it is going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. These are some of the things that I, I know and I want to see happen in your life. I want your appetite to change. I say I. The Lord wants your appetite to change, that you would hunger and thirst at a deeper level of righteousness. And if you don't fully know what that means, I want you to ask yourself, how much do you hunger and thirst for righteousness for people that you don't like? Why do you think Jesus says pray for your enemies? Jesus mentions praying. He, he always mentions loving your neighbor, but he, as much as he says love your neighbor, he also says pray for your enemies. You don't, you don't hear a lot pray for your neighbor, but you do hear pray for your, pray for your enemy. I'm not talking about like people who are like out to get you or things, but you know what I'm talking about, people you don't like, people that, that rub you the wrong way, people that cause conflict, people that cause offense in your life. And two, I want you to check how easily it is for you to get offended by things. How easy is it for you to come here and become offended? How easy is it for you to come here and be offended because someone didn't say hi to you or someone didn't look at you? How easy is it for you to become offended at home because a parent said something to you or one of your siblings got on your nerves or a teacher didn't show the grace that you thought they should, you know, whatever it is. These are things that will help you grow spiritually and help you mature into a greater place. All right, y'all stand with me. I'm going to pray um, with you as we wrap up tonight. Um, I know it was a different night. It was kind of informal, but it is what it is. Um, listen, listen, high praise. God is always interested in your growth. The Lord is always going to be interested in your growth. And we can't just, we can't just come become content. Everyone got way taller now. We can't just become content and just, I'm just going to go to church and I'm just going to, you know, I've got my, my Bible plan on my phone and whatever. I said this last week, do not fall for the trap of standing before a living God and saying, God, I have no interest in changing how I live my life. I just want you to change the things in me. But I'm going to live the exact same, have all the same friendships, have all the same habits, listen to the same music, watch the same stuff. That's not how this works. And many of you will become spiritually frustrated because you won't actually change anything about your life. Because you won't actually begin to hunger and thirst for righteousness in your life and in other people's life. And you definitely won't get out of this trap of offense. Many of you, I think, I think could, and I know the Lord wants to bring you out of this place of just constant hurt and pain, but you won't settle the root of things that are actually going on in your life, but they, they manifest in someone looking at you wrong or leaving you unread and you freak out about it. I, I want and I hope that you allow the Lord to do a, take a serious inventory on your heart for him to actually take an assessment of what goes on in your mind and your heart, how you think of people. 
Remember, Jesus said, man, you, you, hate, you hate a brother in your heart, you've killed him. You've lusted after someone, you've committed adultery with him. God always looks at the heart, always looks at the mind. All right, I'm gonna pray. Everyone bow your heads, close your eyes. I'm gonna pray for you. Holy Spirit, we believe that we have heard from you tonight. Lord, I believe that, uh, that you are speaking a, a very active and a very lively word here in this youth group. Lord, I believe that, that you have a desire for every person in this room. And your desire for them is to grow closer to you, to become more like you, to act like you, to think like you. We talked about it Sunday in Sunday morning service that great things would follow those who believe. Father, help us out of this trap of offense. Help us to not just be satisfied by these little insignificant things, by worldly things. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would illuminate these prideful areas of our life. Father, I pray that we would leave room for you in every area, the areas we're really great at, the things that we, we, we feel like we can do without anyone's help. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just confront the things in our lives that need to be confronted. That you would, you, you yourself right now would point at things in people's hearts and their minds and say, this cannot be here any longer. This cannot live here. This cannot take up residence here. Jesus, God, we love you in this room. We worship you in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for downloading today's message. Again, we hope that it encouraged you, blessed you, and edified you. If you are a high school, middle school, or even a uh, young adult in the Panama City area, we would love to have you come be a part of our services at High Praise Panama City. Our YTH services are every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. The mix, our pre-service time, starts at 5 o'clock. We would love to have you out. If not, find a way to connect with us on Instagram at hp.yth. We would love to connect with you in some way. And God bless.